All right, please open with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter, chapter 3. I'm going to preach on more than one verse this time, uh, but only, uh, yeah, maybe four or five. <laughs> but it's really a second part of, um, of a two-part sermon. So we're going to look at chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 8 to 12. Um, and I want to remind you as you're turning there to 1 Peter 3, that remember, this epistle was written to be read at one time, all at once, to a church. So uh, as we just take out this little section, let's not forget, as Peter's exhorting us to uh, live a certain way, that it's tied together with the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. It's uh, couched in the gospel. Uh, these things are written to, to those of us who have been made alive in Christ by his grace, not by anything we've done. Uh, just so we see that this is not... Um, we're not taking these verses out and isolating them from the context. Okay, hear the word of God to you this morning. If you are able, please stand. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and errant word. May he bless it to our hearts and lives this morning. One more time, let's pray together. Father, this is your word. Um, it is a two-edged sword. It's able to uh, divide bone from marrow. And we ask, Lord, that you would, uh, through your Holy Spirit, do that for us today. Uh, do your spiritual surgery to continue to conform us into the image of the one who loved us so much that he was willing uh, to not uh, revile back, but to take injustice upon himself that we, uh, that justice might be done so we could be spared. So Lord, have mercy and speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, I think we can all agree uh, talk very often with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ from all different backgrounds, even different denominations, and yet we have a common Lord Jesus, and we all agree, we don't always agree on all the details, but that the world is rushing down the broad road to destruction um, at lightning speed. I don't think we can deny that one. Uh, we would agree that good is called evil in our culture today. Evil is called good. That's something that Isaiah prophesied was going to happen, and it did happen. And it's happening today as well. And here's the other thing. I, I often hear even Christians say this. Um, even when we try to do good in the world, uh, as the old saying goes, no good deed goes is left unpunished. <laughs> you ever hear people say, I hear Christians say that all the time. No good deed is, goes unpunished. Well, Peter points out in our epistle that we're looking at, his first epistle, that Jesus knows a little something about that, doesn't he? Kind of knows a lot about that. He came to display, when you think about it, the purest love 
this world has ever known to this day and will ever know. And what did he get for it? They nailed him to a tree. That's what he got for his trouble. And what can we do as the people he died for and rose again from the dead for to turn as many of his enemies, as many of the, the, these evil, uh, morally confused people back to him? What can we do? What part can we play? Well, I have some great news. <laughs> At least I know for the majority of Christians, this is going to be great news. Uh, the majority of the parts of the body of Christ that aren't called to be a mouth, for instance. God does not require you to be as good of an evangelist as the Apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even require you to be like a Billy Graham. Most of us. It's not our calling. But he does require all of his children, no matter what our function is in the body, don't get me wrong, to have a minimum level of expertise in being able to articulate the gospel. Uh, next week, I believe Peter's going to deal with this. Pete, our Pete is going to deal with this in the text where, where Peter says, always uh, be ready to give the reason for the hope you have. So we have to have at least some expertise in sharing the gospel and make it cl making it clear. No doubt, everybody in the body, uh, that doesn't leave a, let us off the hook from at least sharpening um, our swords as best as we can. And Peter will get to the, the verbal witness for the gospel next time. But it's a relief to know that God's plan doesn't necessarily entail everyone going door to door with the EE questions, the evangelism explosion where, hi, my, my name is Pastor Santo. Can I ask you a question? If you were to die tonight, like, so we're not all called to be that confrontational? And for many of us, let's be honest, I hopefully some of you are going, God's not going to hold me accountable because I'm not confrontational all the time. So that's good news, I would think, and it definitely relieves some pressure. But then the question is, so then what is God's plan for his people, all of his people, in regards to winning a lost, dying world to faith in himself? Now, is it to vehemently and sometimes scathingly and sarcastically argue with people online and scream at them and insult them? Is that the way we're going to win people to Jesus? I'm a believer and it annoys the snot out of me. And how deep can we actually go on, on an online conversation when we really want to reach people's hearts? How often? There's no mannerism. There's no way of expressing love. It's just cold comments. Well, I know how. Maybe this is God's plan. Let's all wear bumper stickers. Let's say, let's put bumper stickers on a car that says, uh, Jesus is the answer. Now, we all know Jesus is the answer, but most people driving are like, what's the question? I have no problem with wearing the putting the bumper stickers in your car, but you get my point. Probably doesn't move people's hearts toward uh, repentance. Well, thankfully, God hasn't left it um, left us in the dark about this. He hasn't left left us on our own to try to figure out how we're gonna reach the world. <laughs> we don't have to get together and have conferences and have all different denominations get together. And let's discuss these things. He actually gives us in First Peter. And it's corroborated throughout the scriptures, of course, a two-fold plan. That's right. We have a plan, a, a surprise, surprise. Um, out of all these different books that try to give us different methods, uh, the different types of church I mentioned last time we preach, uh, I preached, um, here it's a two-fold thing in the text. 
And this is the, the twofold plan is this. First of all, love your fellow pilgrims, your brothers and sisters in Christ, deeply as brothers. In other words, we need to model for the world with that community of faith, hope, and love looks like so that we will attract a lost and confused and dying world to what the kingdom actually looks like in practice. They will see community in practice. They will say, as the early uh, uh, pagan said of the early church, how they love one another. You know, we might criticize, they're weird about this. They do this weird thing where they say, uh, you know, eat my body and my flesh. I don't know what's going on there. But boy, we can't deny that they love one another. And Peter would have remembered. Listen, that's why it's throughout his epistle. Peter's with Jesus who in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh, for three years. And you know how Jesus emphasized, they will know you are my disciples by your what? Your love one for another. And it's convicting. I preached on it last time. That's why I took a whole sermon on verse 8. Because it's not inconsequential. It's not just a minor thing we can slough off. Loving one another in the church is one of is the plan, uh, part one of God's great plan to reach a lost and dying world for Jesus. Now, today, we're only going to look at the second part of the plan, and that's only a few verses as well, but Peter's going to develop it more and more the rest of his epistle, and it's found in verse 9 of chapter 3, where we read these convicting, fortifying words. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. That's how, Peter's saying, we draw a lost, dying world's attention to their only hope, listen, this is important, their only hope for escaping the judgment to come. And the only way that we ourselves can enjoy the deep blessing that we're called to enjoy that comes from the one who is the model per, excel, par excellence for not repaying evil for evil but overcoming evil with good. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who, Tim, as Tim Keller likes to, puts it, likes to put it, the one who suffered to end evil without ending us. Isn't that a cool way of putting it? He suffered to end evil without ending us. We deserved it, but he took the blame. He took the pain. He took the shame. What we're going to see this morning simply this. As resident aliens on earth, traveling to our true home country. We're called to love each other in the church. We saw it last time, and we're going to see this morning, and to return blessing for insult in the world, that we might inherit a blessing. So there is a blessing attached to this, according to the Apostle Peter. So let's take a look at the, the second point of the sermon, which is our whole point this morning. Look at, with me at verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil, or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you might inherit a blessing. So the, 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 the part of this verse that struck me and continues uh, to, to ring out in my heart and mind, and I just can't get away from it, is the line where Peter says, because to this you were called. And that's why I titled this sermon, To This We Were Called. Um, that's pretty uh, earth-shattering. You know, we talk about trying to discern our call. We talk about our vocational call, what God wants us to do. Well, here, God is making it abundantly clear, if you're a Christian, this is what you're called to. You don't have to pray about it. 
I always kid around about that. Oh, I'll pray about it. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have counsel. You don't need to get many counselors. This is what you're called to. As a chosen people, as a royal priesthood. Remember, that's what, what Peter called us now. As a holy nation, a people belonging to God, as aliens and strangers in this world. What's our calling? Well, it's simple to say and impossible, humanly speaking, to carry out in our own strength. To repay evil and insult with blessing. When they do us wrong, to do them right. And to love them anyway. And here's what's really interesting in the text here. Nothing's going to make our foreign citizenship in heaven so apparent to the people around us, to the world around us, as when we strive by the grace of God in the power of the Holy Spirit out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us to take that calling seriously in the world. That calling to bless and not curse and overcome evil with good is the way the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 12. By the way, this is not a minor theme. <laughs> it's in Proverbs. It's in Paul's writings. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. And now we see it again in 1 Peter. You know, it's one of those things where you say, I wonder if God's trying to tell us something. What Peter's calling us to, what God is calling us to through his apostle, is to desire to be a conduit of God's blessing and goodness toward a sinful and dying world. And this is going to single us out, brothers and sisters, as being very countercultural. You want to be countercultural, you want to stand out, you want to be different, God says, go for it. Here's your chance. Don't be like the crowd. Look different. Stand out. Now, I think it's really helpful and important for us to remember that our Lord and Savior called us to this very thing, to repay evil or insult with blessing, to return our enemies cursing with blessing. And here's why. We need to constantly keep it in our hearts and minds and not uh, put it to the back of our minds. It's human nature. You know I, I ain't wrong on this one to seek to pay back wrong to those who wrong us. When someone does something to us, we want to give it right back. That's just a natural default, like in your computer. It's the page it always goes back to. Um, why? Because we inherited that nature from our first father, Adam. And notice, people will view overcoming evil with good as weakness. Do you ever notice that? Even other Christians are like, oh, pastor, it's, it's you... Being nice again. <laughs> well, listen, there ain't nothing about being nice. I, I don't know. I'm not really a nice person apart from Jesus. Let me be honest with you. People who know me well, they know that. I'm not just trying to play nice. This is what John Calvin says. I love the way he puts this. He says, And though it is commonly thought that this is an instance of a weak and abject mind, not to avenge injuries, yet it is counted before God as the highest big-heartedness. Nor is, is it indeed enough to abstain from revenge. So it's not just don't pay back evil for evil, but Peter teaches us in general that evils are to be overcome by what? Acts of kindness. There's a traveling salesman, I love this story, who was rudely treated by a member of a, a business uh, concern. He told the story of this humiliating experience to a friend. And, and the friend said, and you did nothing about it afterward? A guy like that should be taught a lesson. How often have we heard that? He needs to know what he did. It's not acceptable, right? Yes, said the salesman. 
But I love his answer. But I'm not here to avenge personal wrongs. I'm on business for my employer. The same way, we're on business for the one who, uh, who it is written of. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. If you're a believer, you know that's true. Um, it just warms my heart. It just fills me. I, I, I scream out. The new man in me screams out, amen. It is so. It is right. It is true. Now, you may remember that Peter said uh, these words to slaves um, after he exhorted them to um, repay good for evil, even to uh, rough and coarse uh, masters. He said, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We need to recover the joy of knowing that in the deepest part, knowing in the deepest parts of us, excuse me, that in returning good for evil and blessing for cursing, for cursing, we already won a decisive, struck a decisive blow for the kingdom of heaven and for the kingdom of God. In and of itself, that act glorifies Jesus and brings about his will in the world, no matter what the response is. That's powerful because we are living like our Savior. And as I mentioned earlier, it's not a matter of trying to imitate our Savior out of our own works or our own power and our own strength. Peter is speaking to those who have been born again, who have been given a new nature. And that's why, uh, that's one of my responses to when I hear, because pastorally I've had to deal with many people, including my own heart, on the issue of, but I just simply can't do it, Pastor. I just can't stand that justice is not done. It, the injustice drives me mad. And I want to tell you, it's not any easier for me. I hear you. I'm really in, in the same boat as you. I'm not just saying that to, to relate to you. <laughs> you oh, I want to relate. I don't relate. It's just the fact. It's not easy for me either. And why isn't it easy for me? Because I'm cut from the same cloth that you are. The cloth of Father Adam clothing line and Mother Eve designs. That's the clothing we're all cut from. But here's the good news. Peter is speaking to those who are not only sons of Adam and daughters of Eve by natural generation, but he's speaking to those, those of us who are also sons and daughters of the second Adam, who, as Peter puts it, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Isn't that cool? We belong to him now, the second Adam. We're in him. So it actually doesn't go against every fiber of our beings to repay evil with good. We have a new nature that actually agrees with our Father in heaven and with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit who lives in us, that it's right, it's lovely, it's beautiful to bless and not to curse. As our Lord and Savior did when he entrusted himself to the one who judges Justly, You know, I love uh, something that um, C.S. Lewis 
always says. He says, you know, when it says love your enemies, don't bother about whether you love them or not. He's, he says, go ahead and do them a good turn. Because he says, when you do a bad turn, you find that you, you, you dislike them more. But when you turn and do them a good turn, you find that you actually love them more. In other words, don't wait for the emotions to come. Go ahead and do what the Lord says, and you will find that they, they will come one way or another. Um, they'll follow. Now, we trust that God is going to use our witness, right, for not repaying evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Notice what the text says, to bless us, to, to give us, to, that we might inherit a blessing. So it's a twofold thing. Listen to the blessedness of it. It blesses us, which we're going to talk about in a moment, and it also blesses the world around us because it, it shines a light on Jesus, on the one who really did not repay evil for evil when he could have, and instead blessed the world uh, through taking upon himself the sins of all who would turn from sin, and trust in him. And notice what Peter does here. He backs up his, his exhortation, with, uh, which is kind of interesting here, with a passage from the Old Testament scripture, specifically Psalm 34. He referred to Psalm 34 earlier when he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. So and this is just my opinion, but I have a feeling he, he, uh, for his devotions for that day or week, Peter was really chewing on Psalm 34. That's because it just keeps coming out of this epistle. So that's just my guess. In any case, he certainly had it in his heart and mind memorized. And this is what he says. He says, for, and then he quotes from Psalm 34. Here's the backup for um, this plan to uh, bless and not curse. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now look, one point of this proof text is, is very, very striking. What happens when we repay evil for evil? We give in to using our enemy's sinful tactics, and we lose the battle ourselves. For when we act just like everyone else and cursing back those who curse us, we invoke the Lord's displeasure. Notice what it says here. The face of the Lord is what? Against those who do evil. So why would we want to join them? They did evil. Let's do evil back. Well, now we're, we're acting like evil ones. Does that even make common sense? Now, as followers of the crucified, we're not called to do evil, but to do good, to seek peace, to pursue it. Repay evil with blessings so that we might inherit a blessing. So here's, here's the thing. God wants to pour out his blessings upon his children. It's not so much, Peter's not saying here, obviously, that we're saved by our behavior. We are already made children. But listen, what father doesn't reward a child when they do what's right? Peter's just giving incentive. Hey, your father's going to give you a blessing. And the blessing here isn't necessarily money or material things. We're going to talk about what the blessing is in just a second. Well, actually, we're going to do it right now. <laughs> what does God want to give us? He wants to give us himself, brothers and sisters. He wants to give us the joy and the peace and the purpose to live for that only comes from a deep relationship with him. 
Someone once said this. This is, is really good. It's better to suffer an injustice than commit one. That's a great blessing in here, isn't it? Peter reminds us as followers of him who was crucified for us, to this we were called, to return blessing for cursing, that we might inherit a blessing. Now notice the blessing I think that Peter's referring to here um, in the psalm. Verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. What Peter is saying is, God's eyes are on you. You have his ear, his ears. He's listening. When you pray, when you get on your face and you say, Lord, have mercy, when you pray for one another, when you pray for the gospel's furtherance in, in, around the people in your neighborhood, in, in the world, he's listening. And is there any greater connection than to be connected in prayer to the one who moves the world? <laughs> prayer doesn't change things. Yes, it does. I beg to differ. The Bible begs to differ. More things are wrought, someone said, through prayer than this world knows. But notice in Psalm 34, it says something not only about God's eyes and ears, but it says something about his face. His face is against those who do evil. In other words, those who do evil will have to give an account to the righteous judge someday if they do not repent and obey the gospel through faith. Now, we do well remember both of these truths when we're tempted to return fire with fire to those who hurt us. First thing, we are called to pay them back good for evil that we might be a blessed people. But the second thing that we need to see is they're in, extremely, they're in an extremely dangerous spiritual state and they'll face way worse of a fate than they could ever pour out upon us if they remain in their sins. So no matter what evil they do to us or, or what punishment, uh, the punishment they're going to face if they're not in Christ is unthinkable. Listen, hell is ultimate justice. That's what hell is. It's having the Lord's face against you, but listen, forever and with finality. I know it's a well-worn cliche to put it this way, but it's true, nevertheless, we should never wish hell on our worst enemy. Do you ever see like some kind of tragic, um, huge uh, world event that is just so so sad that it breaks your heart that literally, even if these people deserve what they got, your heart can't help but break? Magnify that by a million. That's what hell is. Which one of us can't, would not be tinged and, and, and struck to the heart if we saw what awaits those who do evil unrepentantly. So by killing our enemies with kindness, now it's our sincere desire that it would lead them to see what? The goodness, the mercy, the grace, the kindness of the one who loved us and gave himself for us, that they might turn to him and be saved from eternal death. Matter of fact, that's one of Peter's main themes in his letter. That One of his main themes is that of winning our persecutors, of all people, 
to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, that they might find themselves, uh, again, to coin a phrase, on the right side of history when Jesus comes back again. Excuse me. Listen, wanting true, godly, biblical justice to prevail against those who unrepentantly and stubbornly and unremorsefully do evil is a good thing. It's okay to want justice. Because it's coming. Not repaying evil for evil is not all the Bible has to say about the subject. Even in this short epistle, uh, Peter, in Peter's epistle, all we have to do is go a little bit, a page later from our text, and we read this, Peter says, They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So we can entrust ourselves to the Heavenly Father that unrepentant folks will have to give an account. They're not going to get away with it. Isn't that part of the reason we don't bless back? No, we got to make sure we get even. So it's even. We get them back. And God says, no. Trust me with justice. That's one of the main reasons we're called to not return evil for evil, but to repay evil with good. We want even our enemies to turn to Christ in faith and in repentance so they, they might receive what we have in Jesus. What is that? It's true, blessed redemption, the forgiveness of sins, not getting what we do deserve. What's the word for that, brothers and sisters? It's mercy. We, we pray for them. We do good to them. We return their evil. We return good for it. That they too would join us in the church of Jesus Christ through faith in Jesus. That they would they would join us in our call. What's our call again? To return blessing for insult. Think about it this way. It's our joy. It's our privilege. It's our honor to imitate Jesus, our Savior, in this way. For Jesus to save you, Jesus to save, for Jesus to save me, he's with me, she's with me. That's my child. It's a great blessing that we all too often take for, a grant, for granted and that we do not avail ourselves to, that the eyes of the Lord are on us and that his ears are attentive to our prayer. You know, Martin Luther once said this. The world doesn't need a definition of religion as much as it needs a demonstration. Our Lord demonstrated it. Clear as day. And now he calls those who he purchased with his own blood to follow in his footsteps. The rest of 1 Peter, you're going to see, we're going to see, is him sharing with us uh, aliens, uh, strangers, pilgrims in a foreign land, um, God's heart for the lost. Surprise, surprise. It's all going to be about, uh, mainly, our focus on our Lord Jesus, living like him in the world, where we take suffering for his sake, uh, we take it by faith, and we bless and we don't curse, so that many others can come to know the awesome Savior that we know.
right? Peter walked with the, with, with the Lord who said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Our part, yes, we have to be able to articulate when people ask us for the reason, but you know what? They're not going to ask us for the reason if we live just like the world does. Brothers and sisters, let's trust him and let's uh, encourage one another uh, to love and good deeds, especially to not repay evil for evil, but to entrust ourselves to the one who judges, judges justly and to walk in his footsteps with the power of the gospel, the motivation he gives us to do that very thing. Let's pray. Father, we can't thank you enough for this timely word. My soul needed it. I know my brothers and sisters need it too. We thank you that you have a plan and you are going to save all your elect from all the nations. And that even now when we see some folks, we don't, they, we certainly, they don't look like they're elect. But we're thankful that um, as we uh, serve you and trust you, that you will win them to yourself. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus, um, that we might attract um, our fellow sinners to you. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.